Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food businesses about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I am talking with Safira Anayath. Safira lives in Prior Lake, Minnesota, and sells custom cakes, macarons, and other baked goods with her cottage food business, Sugar Dust and Sprinkles. Safira immigrated to the United States from India back in 2010, and at that time she had never baked a cake in her life. She calls herself a self-taught baker and since 2015 has been selling amazingly elegant items from her home kitchen. She now has over 10,000 followers on Instagram, so clearly she is doing something right. I am especially impressed not only by her beautiful creations, but also her photography. So today I am looking forward to learning how she makes everything look so good. And with that, welcome to the show, Safira. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, David. Safira, can you take us back? Usually I ask people to go back to the beginning of uh, the business, but in this case, maybe go back to uh, when you when you immigrated to the United States and, and walk us through that journey. So I immigrated to the U.S. in April of 2010, along with my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. The U.S. was a new place for us. We had nobody whom we knew over here. So we were just confined at home, but thanks to my husband living here prior to us moving, he had a lot of friends whom we could meet and interact with. So uh, moving forward, I had my son in 2011, but at that time I started going to the gym and that's when I saw Food Network uh, flashing on the TV screen. So I went home and then I started watching Food Network a lot. And that got me uh, hooked on to baking items, watching on TV. I came across The Pioneer Woman by Reed Drummond and Barefoot Contessa by Ina Garten. These were the two shows I watched a lot. And I started learning how to use an oven to bake uh, cakes or cupcakes at that time. I started experimenting and just making small treats for my family. And uh, so sometimes it would be a lot. So I used to even gift it to my neighbors to just try it out. And then slowly I started being known as the dessert queen amongst my friends because they liked my uh, treats. But nobody encouraged me to actually start a business as such. It just struck to me that maybe I can do something with the skill I have since I've started learning how to bake and uh, use the oven. I at least learned that by myself. And I just gave this idea to my husband. I'm like, you know, um, he always wanted me to continue with my IT job, which I was doing back uh, in India. But uh, I did not want, I did not like the idea of leaving my kids in a daycare. I just wanted to be stay at home with them. So uh, when I told him this, he discouraged me, actually. He's like, no one's going to buy your treats. Everyone gets it from, you know, from the bakery or Target, Costco and stuff like that. And they're not going to pay you with what you're going to charge. So my husband had the idea that starting a business was only, you know, related with friends or family. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it for friends. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but this is my thought. I would like to go ahead with it. So he just left it to me and I wanted to talk to someone about my idea. So I called my brother-in-law who's in India and he's doing very well in his business. I called and told him, I'm like, I would like to try this out. And what do you think? He said, he, he encouraged me a lot and he said, If you feel you are good in this, uh, you know uh, you have the potential, go for it. But it will take at least three to four years for you to do well and be known in your business. So you have to wait for that time. And he also told me that you have to give it your full. Uh, Don't do 10 things at a time. Just concentrate on this and, and start your business. So that was my first step towards it. And I think I started from there. It sounds like pretty good advice to me. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about in the business realm. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of amazing that you hadn't uh, d- done any baking whatsoever and not only started to learn how to bake, but turn it into a business. And so you got that advice from your brother-in-law and how did that go? Did the business start to take off quickly? So after I got my advice from my brother-in-law, at that time I was working as a, I had a part-time job 
And then I went to my uh, colleagues and uh, my employer and I told them, you know, I have this thought in my head and I would like to move forward with it. So if you would like any treats from me, let me know. And my boss called me one day and she's like, I was like, oh my God, did I do something wrong at work? So, well, that wasn't the case. And she's like, okay, Safira, it's my daughter's birthday uh, coming up. So I would like you to make some cupcakes. I was so happy that I just got my first order just like that. The next question was, how much would it be? So I said, I don't know. And uh, she's like, well, go figure it out. And I want the cupcakes on this date. So I went home and I tried to do some math and I kind of figured out a price and I let her know. And she said, yeah, well, that's fine. So that was my first order and a very memorable one. Um, which happened in 2015, uh, November 2015, yep. Did you remember how many cupcakes you made for that order and how much you charged? Yes, I think I had made two dozen cupcakes and I charged her $2 per cupcake. So that was $48 at that time. Yeah, I think that sounds like a reasonable price for starting out. And what, what were these fancy cupcakes or regular size? They were regular size cupcakes and there's a little bit of decoration on it. I made small flowers and then little letters with her daughter's name and placed it on the cupcake. So yeah, it was simple and cute. Now you said that you had learned from the Food Network and from other shows. Was that just the only place you were learning from was TV or were you, you know, getting courses from other places or tutorials from other places? So at that time, I still wanted to learn something related with flowers, like decorating flowers. So I did one small course, uh, the four lessons, uh, basically with my local crafter here, uh, local craft shop uh, called Michael's. Uh, I did a Wilton um, flower decorating course with them. And, you know, four classes is just not enough. You have to actually do a lot of practice by yourself. So, well, it was a good start that I learned basics from the class, like how do you fill a piping bag and what piping tips do you use for different kinds of flowers? So that was very helpful. But after that, it was, you know, you have to put in the effort and practice and look for more tutorials. So I found some different cake makers who are doing tutorials online. So I went on YouTube and started searching. And then when I found a caker who had the style I was looking for, I started following her and doing exactly the way she was, you know, teaching flowers and stuff like that with buttercream. So that's how I I learned. So it was mainly one person. And who was that? Yes, it was mainly one person called Cake Style. So she does not do any more tutorials and she's not in the baking industry anymore, but I think her tutorials are still available on YouTube. Well, if, if they're still up there, then you know we can find it and put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, you mentioned finding a style that you like, and I noticed that all of your cakes have a very similar style. There's a lot of differentiation and variation between them, but... They do have, I want to say, a very elegant style. Even birthday cakes, they look like very elegant and very nice. I don't know how to describe it, but they they definitely have a certain style to that. So that seems like a very intentional decision on your part. Yes. So when I started initially, I was like all over the place. I, I made a few cakes with fondant and then fondant decorations, but that was like taking a lot of time and I was also being underpaid for it. People do do not understand how much time it takes to make a small figurine and they do not want to pay as much. So I decided that I would want to stop fondant altogether and just concentrate on buttercream. And then once I started doing only buttercream cakes, I wanted to uh, have particular style that, you know, people will like. And so I got into the elegant side of it where I, I just do textures on cakes with buttercream and uh, sprinkles. I use a lot of sprinkles and I always like a touch of gold on my cake. So that I think makes it really look pretty and nice. And of course, flowers has to be there. So I do a lot of buttercream flowers or fresh or fake flowers on cakes. 
yeah, I did notice a lot of sprinkles, a lot of gold <laughs> in there, um, but it kind of has more of a feminine look, I would say, but uh, it does look really beautiful. And, you know, you said that you only do textures, but I've noticed that you've taken buttercream a long ways. I mean, you've been not just doing textures, but you're literally making designs on the cake with buttercream, right? Yes, uh, I, I do a lot of stenciling also. So we get these very pretty stencils, which is made with uh, vinyl, I think. Uh, so it's very easy to just stencil the cake with some buttercream. And then you can decorate, leave it as is, and just decorate it with some gold. Or uh, just do some stenciling and again, do some textures or some palette knife painting. I do quite a bit of palette knife painting too on the cake. So yeah, it's really interesting that you can do so many different techniques on a cake. I just feel like you're underselling yourself because I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I saw a cake. I'm trying to find it, but I feel like I saw a cake where you drew a house or something onto the cake uh, with buttercream. Oh, yes. The Paris, the, that's a Parisian uh, cafe kind of a cake. Yes, that's exactly yes. it. Yeah. Yes. That was for a 13th birthday, I think. So I made that. Well, that that cake, I mean, it's mostly buttercream, but it's not just a texture. It's a little literally looks like a cafe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. That's a buttercream cake with uh, some fondant details with, with a cafe. And uh, yeah, it has some flowers and uh, like a table, some chairs and yeah, a lot of things going on over there. Yeah, well, it's impressive stuff all around, but I was like looking for more of a traditional birthday cake where, you know, primary colors, bright colors, like I see you've done a dinosaur cake and things of that nature, but most of your birthday cakes look like they're more elegant for like making a girl feel like she's a princess. And uh, I don't see any like Paw Patrol cakes or uh, frozen cakes. And is that something that you just say no to? Yes. Right now, I think uh, it's been uh, a couple of months since I started uh, refusing to do novelty cakes, kids cakes. Um, I I, want to just go in one direction where I want to be known for, you know, elegant cakes and like pretty cakes. So I, I don't want to like waste my time doing these novelty kids cakes. So I usually say I'm sorry I, I stopped doing those kind of cakes. Well, I think that's smart. I mean, you're definitely niching yourself into one thing and someone who's looking for that really elegant and probably higher end price wise cake, you know, they'll definitely go with you. Um, So it's, it's a smart move. And you definitely have the talent to do all those cakes. But it's not just the cakes themselves, but your photography is really phenomenal. I mean, I see a lot of photos just looking through people's Facebook pages, Instagram feeds. And quite frankly, a lot of the photos that I see are really, really good. Um, just taking photos with the smartphone and portrait mode uh, to see a ton of amazing photography. But I would say that your photography is a touch above most of the good photography I see. It really looks professional like professionally done like somebody who does it for a living so what have you done to uh, either learn photography skills or how do you make your photos look so great so in 2020 of I think February of 2020 um, so I've been following the sweet friend of mine her name is Sadra and she's in Canada so she also was a caker before she moved her business to a dessert photography business and then she came up with a course for bakers, uh, something to uh, do only with phones, because most of us are just taking pictures with phones. And it was a hard decision for me in February to take up this course because it was it was an expensive course. And also we had plans of traveling abroad. We wanted to visit Mecca and Turkey. So when she had launched it and, it and she was giving it a, a good deal, I was in two minds because we had a big a trip coming up and I did not want to miss this opportunity too. And then I just, I just prayed and I'm like, okay, God, help me with this. Uh, help me with my expenses and stuff like that. I, I think I just need to do this course. And I took the course and it was really a life changing um, moment for me after that you know and the thing what happened was I couldn't go for my trip because pandemic hit at that time and all our plans got cancelled 
So thankfully, uh, it's good that I did my course because that was still helpful. And my business, even though pandemic hit, I it was still booming. I did not have a dull moment even during those bad days when everybody was still stuck at home. I think it was like uh, I kept trying doing different cakes and I had learned some techniques of how to take pictures with natural lighting. And then uh, she it was it was a simple course, but I, I felt I learned quite a lot, like how to use props and how to have a, a backdrop, which I initially I made some backdrops by myself. So that was so helpful. And I did not know before that, that we have to use these things, you know? Yeah. And as I said that uh, with the pandemic, a lot of my events had got canceled and my uh, markets had got canceled because of this. And, but uh, yeah, with God's grace, my, my business had not stopped. I was still doing, getting orders and making cakes and macarons and stuff like that. So I think the photography did a major role in changing my business from from like down low to high up, I can say. Yeah, I can imagine if you had not taken the course because of the cost and then the pandemic hit, you probably really regretted it. How much did you pay for that course? I think I had paid about uh, 500 or 600 at that time. Yeah, that's quite an investment. And But it sounds like you have more than recouped the investment. Yes, definitely. Do you remember any other like tips or specific things that you learned that were aha moments in that course that really took your photography to the next level? Well, at that time, when we were doing the course, we used to have some live sessions with our teacher. And also, you know, like when I would take a picture and then send it to her for her comments or critiques, and then she'll like little tips is like, you should not keep your cake too close to your board where, you know, uh, you've kept a, a line, your hiding everything from the backdrop right so make sure that the cake is much more forward not it should not be against the wall that's what I mean uh, it should be towards you and try to take it an angle uh, where you're tilting the phone a little bit from the top angle and then you click the picture and you get a nice image of your entire cake so yeah, those little tips like she used to teach us. And then after also for editing, she like she taught us to use some apps to, you know, enhance the care, the picture a little more. So I use the Lightroom app uh, on my phone after I, I click the picture and then I just play with the colors and, you know, shades and shadow and this and that and just make it perfect the way I want to. So you're you're not using a DSLR camera for this, you're doing everything from your phone? Yes, I, I have a Sam, uh, S9 uh, Edge, I think. That's what I, I use all my pictures from. I click from it. Well, it does look like it was taken with the DSLR, and I think it's probably because of the extra effort you put into setting up the shot and the all the extra little details that you add to it I think make a big difference and yeah they look they look amazing so um, thank you so much yeah and 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 what has been the result of improving your photography I feel uh, with that like I said my business really took up like when I used to once upon a time I would used to do like maybe one uh, order a week after my course and my pictures like started doing so well on uh, on the social media, I, I've been having like six orders per week, so four to six orders per week, and that's quite a lot, you know. And I'm really busy, and and also apart from that, other uh, brands have started noticing my work, and I'm so proud to say that I'm an ambassador uh, with Fancy Sprinkles because I use a lot of sprinkles on my cake. I used to always tag them that, you know, I, I'm using your product, so just have a look. But I never dreamt that they would contact me and say that, you know, would you like to be a part of Fancy Sprinkles? So that happened recently. And then also I'm with another brand called Global Belly. Uh, I'm a taste maker with their brand. I make macaron or cupcake kits and we assemble everything together with videos and PDFs. And then uh, when, when somebody purchases the kit, you know, they ship it to them with all the items, what's required for them to just make it at home and enjoy with the family. So yeah, I'm uh, with these two brands right now and I'm really happy about that. 
Wow. So yeah, you're definitely the right person to be an ambassador for a sprinkles company because you you have it in your (laughs) business name and you use them all the time. So that's very cool to see. And so are you getting paid for that to be an ambassador? Yes, I do get paid for that. Yeah. So for the videos, as well as I get some commission when somebody purchases sprinkles using my unique code, uh, they get a discount of 15% and I get some commission out of their purchase. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And uh, they and they contacted you about that, right? Yes, they contacted me. So just putting your stuff up on Instagram, probably is Instagram, because that's where the the great photography has taken off as it tends to do. And then Global Belly. So you're you're making these kits that people can make at home. And what I couldn't quite figure out what it means to be a tastemaker. Like, are you actually designing or coming up with the flavors? So I design, yes, but I don't make the flavors. So we send them pre-packaged powders, which, you know, they have to, again, use the perishable items at home and then make the, uh, like buttercream. So you have the powder, which is whatever is necessary to make a buttercream, but you still have to use the butter from your fridge. So apart from that, I just do the designing and I do a tutorial of how you can make a particular design. And then Global Belly puts in all the things together with like piping bags, piping tips, food gel colors, and then like a cake mix, the buttercream mix, all these things are included. If it's a macaron, they they include the macaron, uh, the silpat, the, you know, you don't have to go and shop for all different items. Everything is is all nicely put together in the kit. And then it's shipped to your home and then, yeah, you have to just make it. And did Global Belly reach out to you as well? Yes. So it's really funny when Global Belly sent me a message uh, the first time. I, I I follow a lot of bakers. So I I already knew some bakers who were tastemakers with uh, Global Belly. And, you know, they're all like the biggies of, you know, the uh, baker industry. So when they reached out to me, I, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm sorry, I have nothing to offer. So I, I had no idea how it works. Right. So they're like don't worry we'll walk you through what you how it works and how what you're supposed to do and then we had a call and I was like oh wow that's a great opportunity and I was so uh, happy that you know they saw my work they liked my work and contacted me so I joined Global Belly in December of last year and when we put up our first kit it was a reindeer macaron we had a uh, good business with that kit and uh, yeah it's it's going well with global belly too so do you get a commission on like all sales of your design yes i do get a commission every month yes wow very cool um and i also noticed that you were in the casting process for food network canada and was that something that they reached out to you as well or did you apply for that no, they reached out to me and that again was a, a big opportunity. I I was so happy that they noticed my work and they, you know, reached out to me. So I uh, spoke with my family and I'm like, what do you think? What should I do? And they said, you, you know, just give it a try. My daughter and my husband and my son all were very like excited about it. So I filled up my form and I sent it to them. And after a while, I got an email that I have been selected for the second round. So the second round uh, was um, a live interview. And I did the second round, but unfortunately, I wasn't selected. So but I it was a nice opportunity and, you know, that I got to try this out. So I'm happy about it. Oh, yeah, it's a good experience. And and you keep it up and keep growing your Instagram account, keep doing podcasts or whatever. And you know, it's not the last time that you need to go through that process. So you might get on someday. Now, you've hit 10,000 over 10,000 Instagram (laughs) followers. That's exciting. Congratulations. Did you ever imagine you'd get to this point with your business? No way, not at all. I used to see other uh, pages with, you know, this big uh, number and I would always wonder and think that will I ever reach there? I I never even dreamt that, you know, I would like hit like 4,000 or 5,000 even and reaching 10K is a big dream come true. So I'm really happy about that. Doesn't 10,000 unlock a, a feature of Instagram or something? 
Yes. So we get uh, the feature of swiping up where, you know, you can always add a, a web link. And that's the feature you get on Instagram where, you know, people can just swipe up and go straight to the link. If not, you have to actually type it out. So when you hit 10,000, you get that feature. And I don't remember it. I think it's been pretty recently that you've hit 10,000. But have you noticed any changes? Have you implemented that feature? Yes, I did. Uh, I used the feature a couple of times so for now, and I'm really liking it. I hope, you know, like today we launched the Global Belly um, Easter Chick Macaron kit, and I put that up and I also put the swipe up fe- feature. So I hope I ha- I've got some good business with that. We'll see later. Now, have you paid attention to social media marketing and like how to make your Instagram content play nicely with their their algorithm? Is it something you've been doing intentionally or have you just been throwing stuff up on Instagram and hoping it does well? Uh, I've just been doing what I should do. I've been, I've just been seeing others, what they do. And sometimes I would just watch, uh, you know, where we get these free Instagram lessons and stuff like that. Uh, so I had signed up and then the one thing they say is you have to show up very often on stories and make sure you post every day. So that's what I've been doing. I post one or two pictures on my feed every single day. And then I put up stories, at least uh, three or more than three sometimes on my stories. So that's what I'm, I've been like doing consistently. Three a day or a week? Yes, three a day. So you're posting it like at least four to five times a day on Instagram. Yes, yes. That takes a lot of time. It's a lot, yeah. Do you ever feel like you're at a loss for something to post? Like, do you ever feel like you don't have content to fill it? No, no, I don't. I have enough content and I have I, I make sure that I have enough content even for like the next week. So yeah, I make sure I have something going on. If I do not have something new, I always go back to uh, my old pictures and grab something from there and post it again. So you can always repost and say that uh, throw back to, you know, this picture and you'll still get likes because you're still having new followers on the gram. So, you know, it's something new for them. So you will still keep getting your likes and stuff. So yeah, I keep doing that also. And are people also reaching out to you with DMs, direct messages to contact you and you're responding to those as well? Yes, I get a lot of DMs now. And also I get messages like, oh, hi, you know, I really like your work. And can you give me a follow? I want to follow you. So I ignore those kind of messages because I've, ne- I've, I've never done that for myself. Like, you know, contacting somebody to follow me because I want to follow you. It's, you know, if you like somebody's work, you'll just follow automatically. So I do not like that approach, but otherwise I do get a lot of DMs from other bakers, from customers. Uh, And uh, when I get DMs from clients, we have like two to three line chat. And after that, I tell them, please uh, go to my website and fill up the form and then I'll contact you from there. So that's how it works with the clients. Now, what do you have on the order form on your website? So on the order form, it's basically your name and your phone number, your email, and then uh, what you're looking for, when is your event date happening? What is the event about? What would you like to have? And if it's a cake, just to give some brief description of what you would like on the cake and any toppers you like, like flowers or buttercream flowers or fake flowers. And then I ask them to send me some inspiration pictures as well. And then after I get an idea, I contact them again and we go from there. About how much time would you say that you're spending on social media between posting and direct messages? Oh, yes, that is something I would like to work on. I'm spending a lot of time. Sometimes it's like more than three hours, uh, three hours to four hours. I would like to cut it down to an hour at least. And that's something I have to work on, but it takes a lot of time. So that's not good. 
I've actually heard similar things from other entrepreneurs and especially when you're in this big growing phase right now, you might not be quite ready to hire a virtual assistant or or another assistant to offload some of that social media work, but you do still need to put in the time to to keep up with it all. So it's not uncommon to hear people say they're putting in that much time per day. It's it's a lot. And especially since you're making cakes as well, (laughs) in addition to all of it. So it's, yes, as well as have the family always with me. So it's really hard sometimes. Yeah, I did want to ask you about your family. I read something you wrote somewhere that you went into the business full time after you had your third child, which is I thought was so funny, because it's like, I feel like most people have their third child and then they're like, okay, I don't have time for the business, but that's when you went full time into it. Can you talk a little bit about managing the business with your family? Yes, that was like, I got a lot of questions about that after having my third child. They're like, how could you do this? How can you do with the baby? And when my parents visited me after I had my baby, they were here for a couple of months. And the day they left back to India, I started baking like right the next day. So he was about two months old. So I would just, you know, rim in his little swing and then I would turn on the TV for myself and start baking. So and then if he would just cry, go to him, you know, feed him or change his nappy, get back to the kitchen and kids were in school. So it was easy at that time. And I was like, it's really working out perfect for me at this time. But as he was growing bigger, sometimes I, he needed more attention. But then thankfully, after pandemic hit and, you know, the whole family is at home, it was a blessing for me with my business. I had my husband doing most of his work. So it, it really worked out for us, actually. Yeah, I know my son's in that transition phase, too. And he's, he's a handful. So um, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hard to run a business with little kids. But it's, it sounds like it's worked out nicely. But it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And I, for some time, I had to be a night baker because after everyone's gone to bed, I would start doing my work. And sometimes I've been up until, you know, midnight until 1am. So there are sacrifices also along the way. So it's not easy. Well, we talked about your cakes a little bit, but what else do you make in your business? So I concentrate on cakes, uh, French macarons, and uh, cupcakes. Cookies is very rare, but I do make some cookies here and there, yep. I I actually saw more than that on your website. Maybe you're not doing them anymore, but it looked like you were doing donuts and cakesicles. Cakesicles and donuts, again, is very rare, but it's not on a great demand as much as cakes and macarons. I actually saw, it was a while ago, but I saw this brownie platter, and it was funny because it was like, the fanciest brownie platter I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> yes. brownies are not a very high-end item, but you made them look very high-end. Yes, yes, with a lot of fruits and uh, chocolate ganache and a lot of uh, sprinkles and gold and uh, rose petals, yes. But, you know, I really did not have business on that, so I'm just going to keep that as an uh, specials. Like, uh, Ramadan is coming up, so I'm going to, like, make it for Ramadan, for Easter, and stuff like that. So I'll just keep it for specials. I did notice that you have a number of things that you make around the holidays, the traditional holidays for Islam, I believe. I don't know if you're also doing the Indian holidays, but... Can you talk a little bit about that and what what are the holidays that are meaningful in your community and and what kind of cakes or what do you make for those? Yes. So my religion is Islam. So we just have two big holidays in a year. One is called Ramadan, uh, which is the month of fasting. So we fast for 30 days. And then we have a big celebration day right after, you know, the month of fasting. So uh, usually at that time, I uh, introduced Ramadan uh, treat boxes. So last year I made some uh, cookie uh, kits for Ramadan. Uh, like, you know, you uh, give it before the holiday begins. So I introduced that and it, it went well. I did sell quite a bit at that time. And then on uh, we call it Eid uh, on the day of celebration. So for that, I made like a box of cookies and macarons together. And uh, I usually decorated the, you know, the way reflecting on our religion, especially with like moons and stars and stuff like that, or like little uh, mosques and stuff like that. So that's what I 
usually come up with and I'm still figuring out this year's colors and designs for this Ramadan. And I'm excited about that. And and I know you hadn't made a cake when you moved here from India. And are these cakes that you're making, are they fully American cakes? Is there any Indian influence in what you're making right now? No, no Indian influence on cakes. But I try to incorporate some kind of flavors when I do macarons uh, with some Indian flavors, but I do not do it on cakes. I'm just curious if... It seems like you're probably very well connected to the Indian community in your area, but are many of them ordering your items because they're Americanized uh, or do most of your orders come from non-Indians or... Yeah, most of my clients are non-Indians. I cater to Indians on a very rare occasion because I think one is the pricing. They kind of don't understand how much work we are doing and what's going on. And it just doesn't work out so much with my community. So, but uh, I don't say that I don't have any business with, you know, uh, any Indians or Pakistanis or uh, I do have some very good clients, but I cater more to American clients. I, I want to get into, you know, your pricing and, and more things about your um, products themselves and your business. But while we're on the subject of culture, I did see a post with the cupcakes, really beautiful design cupcakes with the hijab on them. And you were talking about hijab awareness. And I could tell that was an important thing to you. And I think it's not something that I've heard talked about a lot. Um, can you just share your perspective about why it's important for you to wear a hijab and maybe what um, people don't understand about it who aren't in your community? So hijab, as per the Quran, you know, our holy book, uh, God has actually, you know, asked us to have this hijab on where, you know, uh, I started hijab like much later in my life after ha- I had my uh, daughter. So uh, it's my personal choice to, you know, adorn the hijab. And I've uh, given the freedom to my daughter that, you know, whenever you are ready and you, you feel that, you know, you want to do this, you do it. I don't want to force you into it. So usually we don't force anybody into it. Like my, my mom is not a hijabi. Uh, my sister and I are hijabis and our kids are, have still not started. So it's all a personal choice right now for in our family. Do you feel like you get misunderstood sometimes when you're wearing the hijab? I think so. Initially, my husband was a little, um, he was a little apprehensive about it with, you know, all what's going on with the Muslims over here and in the West, you know, with so many things which has happened in the past. So he was a little uncomfortable, but I gave him the assurance. I'm like, you know, it's okay. We'll see what happens, you know. Uh, but so far, Minnesota is a great place. I've had, I, I mean, people are very friendly generally over here. And um, there have been some issues with when I started like going out more in the public and selling my products. I've had a couple of issues, you know, uh, based on how I look. I've understood that, but then I have to just overlook that and just continue with my work with uh, when I have so many other good supporters, I, I shouldn't, you know, just look at what that one negativity, I, I just overlook that and just continue with my work. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I, I do hear that in many different forms, though, with any business, right? There's always people that are going to say something negative about something and you have to be, you know, turn a blind eye to the negative comments and know that the positive outweighs the negative and, and keep moving forward. Keep moving. Yes, that's what I do. I'm like, yeah, there were two, three instances which were not so pleasant with which happened to with me where I'm like, that's okay. You know, you have to just carry on. So, mm. well, let's talk a little bit about selling. I know you sold at a number of markets, um, but you have this very customized business. You make custom items. So, what were you selling at the markets, and what was that experience like? So, uh, my first market was in uh, 2019. It was all like halal food fest. It was called halal food fest, I think. So. And uh, I just sold macarons that in that market. So I made a very small batch. And I was because I, as I told you, like, you know, the Desi community is not 
so much who would like to spend on cakes and treats. So I was not sure. I made a small batch and I went and it was it was mind blowing that I got sold out very soon, you know, with everything. So after uh, that incident, I came home and I started Googling to look for other markets. And then on Facebook, I found out about uh, a holiday market which was coming up in November. So this was just one week before the the market. I I found out about this uh, particular event happening. It was a holiday market. And then I contacted the lady and I'm like, you know, I would like to come here and sell my products. And then she's like, okay, um, uh, she went through my page and she asked me what I do and stuff like that. And after that, she said, well, uh, you can come in and uh, uh, sell your products. So that was my actual first big holiday market, which I did in 2019. I made up, I think, packs of threes and fours of macarons. And I went and the market started at 10 o'clock. And it was until four o'clock, but I was sold out by one o'clock, completely sold out. I, it was like, I was like, it went crazy. It was, it, it was so good. And from there, I again started looking for more markets. And then I found out about a greenhouse, which is not too far away from home. So I contacted them and I was like, okay, you know, I'd like to uh, sell something in your greenhouse. Uh, can I come and do that? And they were so supportive and um, it's a family business. So they said, yeah, sure, come. And it was, I think, a shop small Saturday or something like that. That was the event. I went and sold uh, for that day and I was sold out over there too. So that's how I started getting into markets. And then I'm not sure if you know about Backman's. So they usually have a winter market. I got into the winter market of 2019 and 20 just before COVID, and I used to go and sell my products over there too. So as you were getting into these markets and you were selling out, do you remember about how much you were making at each market? Well, at that time, it was really small. Like when I did the 2019 market, I think I made about 40 bags of macarons and it was sold out. And then from there, I also, uh, in 2020, we still had the holiday market and it was, I took more products and went and, and also the quantity was more and I was sold out again and I made some good money in that. Yeah, I think close to $600. How do you manage your week in terms of baking and preparing for a market or even with the custom orders or making a cake? How, how do you manage it all to make sure it stays fresh and you know ready for a market or ready for the customer? So when I get an order, I, when I know that, okay, on this date is the pickup, I start writing dates, like four days prior to the pickup date, I start writing down the dates and what day, what, what I'm going to get ready. Like first thing I make is buttercream because buttercream will not go bad very soon. So first thing is I make the buttercream. So supposing there's a cake pickup for a Saturday, I'll bake the cake on a Wednesday. And once the cake is baked and come out of the oven, and when it's still warm, I wrap it up and then I freeze it so that the moisture is all locked in. And then on Thursday night, I take it out from the freezer and I let it thaw. And Friday is where I fill and frost the cake and do all the decorations and keep it ready. And Saturday morning, I take pictures or Friday, if it's like before sunset, if I have good uh, natural lighting, I take my pictures and pack it up and keep it ready for the client to pick it up. So it's all about planning. We have to plan our work, otherwise it gets hard. Like this uh, next week, I, I have a wedding order as well as another graduation order. So I'm, I have to get started from tomorrow to do little, little things to get, you know, it's not only cake, I have to make cupcakes, I have to make macarons and cookies, as well as two different cakes. So a lot is going on. So I've already listed out what I'm going to do on which day. Wow, sounds busy. So what is um, a cake or an order that was particularly memorable for you? Ah, I think the three-tiered cake, which I I recently posted a a cake with with a big macaron tower. That would be my most memorable order I had got. It was, um, so the bride was so sweet and she just spoke to me over the phone. We had not even met. She did not do any cake tasting. 
she just said, okay, I would like to get this flavor cake. And then I, I want so many macarons with these flavors. And I made donuts for her uh, wedding as well. I think 80 donuts and 80 macarons and a two-tier cake. But she wanted the macaron tower on top of the cake. So that was challenging and it was my first time doing it. So I did it and also had to deliver the cake to her uh, residence. She had a small ba- backyard wedding. The I think her place was, uh, her house was about 45 to 50 minutes uh, away from where I live. And that drive is something which is, I will never forget, you know, where I was so tense and I had already assembled the whole cake and I just uh, laid a yoga mat and a lot of towels around it to protect the box from moving. And then we drove so slowly and went to her, we reached the destination, got the cake out, uh, laid it on the table, and then I could, you know, have a sigh of relief. So that is my most memorable cake, I can say. Yeah, I saw that cake and it had the macaron, like the cake was the tower. And did you have the macarons already on the cake when you were driving it? Yes, already on it. Yes. If you is that something that you would repeat? Did you think it worked better that way than trying to assemble it on site? I think yeah, this is more easier, and I think for just to be on the safer side, I should carry some extra macarons. But that day, I did not even carry anything extra, and there were no damages. Nothing happened. Like you know, it was everything went well that day. But I should always be prepared for anything worse. So that that was a good experience and something to learn about. Yep. Well, so do you feel like the do you feel like your home kitchen has? become a little bit too crowded like has it become has it started limiting your business it is uh crowded and my pantry is also i i have a smaller pantry because we opted for um, an additional room and main level so we had to sacrifice the pantry size so sometimes it gets really crowded and busy and i we have an unfinished basement so our next plan is where we, you know we can finish it and i can move my business you know to my basement so whenever that happens but then it is busy and but i manage it somehow so it's still going fine and what about pricing are you um are you charging more today than you were a few years ago Yes, definitely. Sometimes I still feel I'm like undercharging, but that's okay. Every time, every time I make a cake, it's a it's a learning experience. But what I was charging so many years ago, those are not my prices anymore. And uh, I I know that everybody has a budget, so my cake is not meant for all. So whoever can get it will get it, and that's how it is. Otherwise, yeah, we have to just say it's okay. So yeah, one thing I've learned is that don't go low on uh, pricing, even if you're a new person in the business that, you know, you, uh, make sure you are charging for what you're worth, especially your time. It, it's a lot of time and effort and washing dishes and everything is not easy. So yeah. And what are you currently charging for your cakes? Well, for a six inch cake, which is usually a regular size uh which serves about 12 to 15 servings. I charge about $120 to $150 for a cake. That sounds like quite a lot. <laughs> that sounds like quite, <laughs> pretty good pricing for you. Yeah, I uh, whatever I make is more than $100 for sure. I don't go less than that. Do you find a lot of people reach out to you and then they just turn away when they hear your pricing? Yes, some of them do that, but not not a lot. Most of them come back, yeah. Well, like I said, you, your stuff does look impressive and is clearly very high quality. So uh, obviously someone reaching out to you knows that they're going to get something really good. So they're probably willing to pay a, a good price for it. Yes, as you can see, you know, I have to charge as for all the ingredients I'm using because I'm not using cheap uh, stuff. So I have to price as per that because I only use this meringue buttercream and it's it just takes one full hour just to prepare you know, a batch of buttercream. So I have to price everything accordingly, you know, and especially even when we're using chocolate, I'm using good quality chocolate, which is not available in the stores. We have to order it online. 
So yeah, with all these ingredients, even sprinkles is not cheap. So, and gold leaf is not uh, cheap. So uh, decorations is something where we have to really charge as per what you're doing on the cake and each cake is unique and different. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like things are going super well for you. And, you know, now that you're Instagram account is taking off and it's over 10k followers and you know you're you're doing uh what it was like about five orders a week where do you see this business going in the future and where would you like it to go I would like to have my own little cafe where I'm just serving some beautiful macarons and little treats with some nice coffee or tea That is uh, what I'm looking at. But if that does not work out, I would like to get into teaching and uh, start teaching what I have learned in my journey. So that's what I'm thinking of. Have you done any teaching already, like through lives on social media or online? Yes, I had an opportunity with a brand called Noor and Zafir. They're a UK-based brand. They're just launching their new business. It's going to be like an eBay for Muslim businesses, you know. So when they contacted me uh, that if I could like demonstrate decorating a cake uh, live, I was like, okay, that's a nice opportunity. And I, I we just had that a couple of weeks ago. And then where well, I'm right now in the works of maybe starting something, you know, um, decorating classes in Minnesota so just today I sent them a sample video uh, of me uh, talking and decorating so I'm not sure where that'll lead but it's it can happen it may not happen I'm I still don't know the answer as yet but I'm so thankful to God for all these opportunities because I'm actually mostly going to be on our tv channel next week so just yesterday, I got this message from um, the TV host, and uh, she's like, I'll talk to you on Monday, but uh, we want to air you on Friday. So I'm like, what? I'm like, all these little, little things, you know, every day is something I'm learning something new, or I'm getting a new opportunity. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, it sounds very exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this takes you. It, sounds, it seems like you're on an upward projection for sure. Thanks so much for jumping on the podcast today. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? So my business is on Instagram and Facebook. So, and I have a website called uh, sugardustandsprinkles.com. So, yep, these are the three places they can always look out and reach out to me. Yeah, and I'll include links to all those. Um, I assume your handles are Sugar Dust and Sprinkles as well. Yes. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the call today. And uh, it's very cool to see how far your business has come in just a few short years. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. That wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. Like I said, Safira's photography is super impressive. So I encourage you to check her out on Instagram. And it was very cool to hear how her social media following is now leading to new money-making opportunities like being an ambassador or tastemaker for larger brands. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 33. And if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. A review is the best way to support the show and will help others find it as well. I'd also really appreciate it if you could share this show with any bakers or home cooks that you know who might be interested in it. And finally, if you are thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.